Andy, my dude, have you heard of the magical website builder known as Squarespace? Ugh, not another Squarespace ad. I feel like every podcast is sponsored by them. <laughs> hey, 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 don't knock it till you try it. Yes, okay, it is overhyped. But actually, it lives up to the hype. Squarespace is like a website fairy godmother. With a click of a button, your site transforms into a beautiful masterpiece. A website fairy godmother? That sounds interesting. What makes it so magical? Well, for starters, those slick templates make anyone look like a professional web designer. Pick one, customize the colors and fonts to match your brand, and voila. Plus, the drag-and-drop fluid engine is so easy, your grandma could build a site on Squarespace. Well, she did knit me a lovely scarf last Christmas. Maybe website design is next. Exactly. And when you're ready to sell your Nana's handmade scarves online, Squarespace has built-in e-commerce. Add a store with one click. Get flexible payment options. Then watch those sales roll in. And when she wants to teach others her steezy scarf skills, Squarespace's new courses feature is just the ticket. Nana can set up her curriculum and enrollments and payments in a snap and become the next e-knitting influencer. Wow, you really sold me with the grandma angle. Sign me up for that free try. Just go to thenextreel.com slash Squarespace and transform your site into a beautiful Squarespace masterpiece. Well, thanks, Pete. Even though it's overhyped, Squarespace actually sounds perfect for Nana's site's needs. Appreciate the warning on the ads, though. I'll brace myself next time I listen to a podcast. Anytime. Let me know if you need any help getting that site up and running. Andy, can you believe we've almost hit 700 episodes of The Next Reel? I know, it's crazy. And with all the other episodes in our family of podcasts, we are well over 1,200 episodes of movie conversation. It's really pretty amazing that we've gotten to have these in-depth movie chats every week for over a decade now. And we couldn't have done it without our loyal community of film fans. Their support over the years has meant so much. For sure. That reminds me, we should give the merch store a shout out. Buying shirts from thenextreel.com slash merch is a great way listeners can continue to support the show. Plus, they get to support our great designs. Absolutely. I think sometimes folks forget we have a variety of shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more available. In fact, a great place to start is with a shirt sporting the Next Reel's logo. We also have that classic Fast Times Spicoli Surf School tee, or the weirdly popular Rusty's European Tour shirt. The one from National Foods European Vacation. Why is that so popular? <laughs> Search me, but we have sold a ridiculous number of those. I guess there are a lot of Rusties taking trips to Europe? We're always adding new designs based on movies we've covered, like our brand new design for a streetcar named Desire, featuring a streetcar named Desire. So if you want to rep your love of TNR and films, head to thenextreel.com slash merch. Every purchase helps us continue to have these weekly in-depth conversations. So visit thenextreel.com slash merch today. And as always, thanks for listening and being a part of the Next Real community. We've got lots more great movie chats coming your way. He has the power to wipe out the entire human race. If we believe there's even a 1% chance that he is our enemy, we have to take it as an absolute certainty. The greatest gladiator match in the history of the world. God versus man. This is 
the next real film board, everybody. I'm Pete Wright, and the Gang of Thugs has once again gathered to spoil a brand new film currently in theaters. This month on the show, it's Zack Snyder's next chapter in his DC Destructathon with Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice. Today on set, we have Andy Nelson as The Flash. Hello, hello. Speedy as ever. Tommy Handsome is Cyborg. Oh, is that who that half man was? I didn't know who that one was. I called him, I called him Gizmo. <laughs> I knew Fasty and Water Buffalo or whatever it was, but I just didn't know him. Okay, I'm good. Okay. We've got Justin J.J. Yeager as Aquaman. I'm Water Buffalo. <laughs> and Steve Sarmento as Lex Luthor. I'll be bald and maniacal, bald and maniacal, I tell you, I'm bald and maniacal. Before we get into our discussion, we invite you to learn more about us at thenextreel.com. Subscribe to the show in Overcast or Apple Podcasts or YouTube or your podcast app of choice. And follow us on Twitter or Facebook at The Next Reel. Don't forget The Next Reel's Instagram hashtag PonyPrize hashtag GuessTheMovieChallenge with Gamesmaster Stephen Smart. New contest starting every Monday. Batman v Superman, gentlemen. Rotten Tomatoes currently sitting right now at 29% with the critics. Dawn of Justice, it says, smothers a potentially powerful story and some of America's most iconic superheroes in a grim whirlwind of effects-driven action. And yet, the audience score is a stronger 73%. Are we a mixed jury this month? Opening statements, please. Steve, why don't you kick us off? I will say I enjoyed this much more than I expected. I think avoiding the trailers is making a difference now in how I view movies. I had seen the trailer or the teaser once and maybe the first trailer once, and that was it. The movie delivered on what I expected. There are some weaknesses in it, but overall I enjoyed it. I was far less frustrated and angry than I have been with Zack Snyder's past few films. I also enjoyed this more than Man of Steel. I didn't. I didn't expect that to to kick us off. JJ. So Steve, I'm really happy that you said that because my opening remarks is, uh, or are, uh, this is a bad movie. This is a real bad movie. This is a real, real bad movie. Um, <laughs> I had a lot of trouble with it. I found that uh, it had it lacked grace and nuance, and it felt like. Um, Everyone who was involved with making this movie didn't care about anyone else involved in making this movie. So I'm really excited to talk about it. I'm so happy that someone else has a different opinion than me. Tommy? Uh, I loved it. <laughs> um, that's, a sk- that's a skit I'm writing called I Loved It. Uh, no, I, I really actually was en- I enjoyed the beginning quite a bit, sort of dealing with the issues that I and everyone else had with Man of Steel. And then by the time there was this ludicrous rule-breaking dream sequence... The movie got more and more out of hand, more and more haywire, less less sense was made, and then the shockwave started, and then when Big Glowy Magoo showed up, I was done. It was not a good movie for me. Andy? You know, I, I definitely have a lot of problems with this movie. Um, back in college, I had um, I'd never been a Superman fan, but I kind of jumped on the bandwagon and bought all the uh, uh, Superman versus Doomsday comics and kind of followed that whole thing to see how Superman would die and all of that. And, you know, I kind of, I feel like this movie kind of, I feel like that, like it was a, a means to an end. And that comic series felt like, you know, we don't know what we're going to do with this superhero because he's just Mr. Goody Two-Shoes. Let's kill him and then we'll reboot him and then we can make him edgy or blah, blah, blah. 
And I felt like they came up with this big thing to do that. This movie, I kind of feel the same. I mean, I, I kind of half enjoyed it, kind of didn't. I have a lot of issues with it. Overall, I, I don't know how much I really liked it, but I didn't hate it. And I kind of was expecting to based on all of the uh, the comments that I've been hearing people saying. And I, I guess I kind of compare it to that, uh, the the Doomsday comic series um, from the 90s. It's kind of like, I feel like this movie was a means to an end, to get to the point where they could do their Justice League movie. I think you're probably right, Andy, and I, I fall with you on that front. I definitely did not hate this movie. I did not find it a bad movie. I found it, uh, I, I went in really trying to, to you know, I, I meditated, I found a quiet space, and I said to myself, Pete, you need to reprogram, because this is not Marvel. This is not what you expect to see. You need to go back and watch 300, and you need to go back and watch, you know, some of Zack Steiner's other films, and you need to get yourself into that mindset because that's the guy. This guy is super, super predictable, and he is capable of delivering only one thing. And as long as you know what that one thing is, you may be able to get yourself past uh, feeling disappointed by this. And I think I did a really good job of that. I was successfully reprogrammed, and I have to tell you, I had a good time at this film. I think that uh, I will talk about the specific character shortly, but what they delivered in uh, uh, Affleck's Batman, I think, is is a Batman I wanted to see. And uh, I, I really enjoyed how they handled uh, his Bruce Wayne Batman uh, counterpart in this film. I, I enjoyed uh, you know, I didn't mind the length of it. It felt well-paced, and overall, I found myself uh, eagerly awaiting the next film. I think uh, generally the critics are over hard on this, and I can't wait to hear uh, the details of where you guys fall. So the premise of it is this, and this is, I think we've already started, we've got to talk about this first 10 minutes, because to me, the first 10 minutes is redemptive. We get uh, we are we open with uh, Bruce Wayne. Um, well, besides a bit of a montage uh, that, that gives us a, you know two minutes of origin story, we open with Bruce Wayne in, uh, going through uh, living through the destruction of the Superman Zod fight in Metropolis, and he was Snyder was widely lambasted for that because there was a lot of destruction and it seemed like you know a, a excess. Uh, in in terms of the death destroying the city, et cetera, et cetera. And he has come out since. He said, you know, I I was making a political statement with that, and people did not seem willing to look at that as a political statement, and so we move on. And and that that feedback definitely influenced the way he opened this movie. Um, To be able to see that destruction from Bruce Wayne's perspective in that first 10 minutes, I think set the stage really nicely for this film. Yeah, as I said, I was a fan at the beginning because— of the excess and the crazy collateral damage and just the nonsense that was some of the end of Man of Steel, I like seeing it from the other side. And actually the final shot of that entire sequence uh, with him holding the girl, looking up in anger at the flying man was probably one of my favorite shots of the entire movie. I thought it set it up, like you said, Pete, really, really well. It made me excited about the rest of the movie for a while. Okay, so for the again for the lovers of uh, not the, maybe lovers too far, but for the people who actually kind of enjoyed the film, how did it? How else did? Uh, what other comments do you have on the open, Steve? Well, I had uh, I wanted to refresh my memory a little bit, so I I had heard that Zack Snyder was um, drawing a lot on uh, Dark Knight, Frank Miller's Dark Knight, and so I had, you know brought my iPad and I'm as I'm waiting for the film, I'm just sort of revisiting that and. 
what I was, I guess, impressed with was how much they they drew from that visually in the sort of Batman origin story. And it, and it is a origin story, I think, that has sort of permeated culture. Everyone is aware of Batman's origin. There may be little tweaks on it as far as are they going to the movies, are they at the theater? Uh, here he drew really explicitly from, you know, Frank Miller. They're going to see Zorro. There's, uh, you know, shots that are really just animated frames from the graphic novel of the gun and the pearls. Uh, so I could really see that he's setting the tone from the beginning of he's going to be pulling this from, you know, he's he's been very public about this is a movie for, for comic book fans. That's what he's trying to do. And I could see that right from the beginning. I enjoyed how they kept that sort of tight up front to give us just a little bit. I was wondering why we needed that since we've had so many Batman movies, but I appreciated it later on in the film because there's some some key information that's essential to the plot that we get in that origin story with with Bruce Wayne that that plays out. So I I understood its function there, but I did appreciate the economy of that they kept it tight. It wasn't the entire first act of the film. It was sort of the opening credits. We get that. And then the transition into Metropolis during the battle really gave us what we needed to know for Bruce Wayne, Batman's motivation for the film. And I, I felt it was a strong start. I, it told me we're not lingering on origin stories. Here's some basic information. And now we're jumping right into the middle of everything. We're picking up where we left off and we're going to hit the ground running and just go with the story and continue moving forward. Yeah, I mean, I, I I really did like the beginning quite a bit. I thought it. Uh, I mean, they've kind of already said it. The the anger that Bruce Wayne had at that whole thing, and I I enjoyed a number of the different perspectives that they had in the film. Um, I really enjoyed that whole perspective of, from Bruce Wayne uh, during the beginning of watching that whole fight. And I wasn't a fan of Man of Steel, but I really liked seeing it from that perspective here. Um, likewise, they had a nice little perspective bit when it's the two cops who go into that uh, that building to try to figure out what's going on. And you kind of get it from their point of view as they encounter Batman for the fi- first time. And I thought that was a nice way for us to be introduced to this this vigilante hero. Granted, I don't know if a sex traffic ring was the most appropriate way to do it. But, <laughs> you know, in, in context of what Zack Snyder gave us, it ended up fitting uh, everything that kind of went along with this film. How'd your kids like it, Andy? I did make... <laughs> <laughs> I, I did make the mistake of bringing my kids to oh, this you one. Did. I, oh. I really kind of was, I had no choice. I had, Not to, a kid's I had to bring them. And it was, a, there was a lot of, uh, well, it's it was tricky because my kids are just, I didn't, I, I guess I hadn't been thinking about how unfamiliar they are anyway with the Batman and Superman origin stories. Like I've never shown them the films yet. <laughs> and, and so it was, I really was bombarded by questions through the whole thing. It was oh, just wow. nonstop, like, who's that? What is he doing? What's this? What, what's that? What's, what's a sex on? traffic ring? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and there was a lot of stuff, like, when, when Martha Kent was tied up, she's like, what, why, what was, what happened to her in the pictures? What was, why did they write on her head? And it was a lot of, a lot of <laughs> conversations to have that uh, were rather uncomfortable. But <laughs> they, they got to grow up sometime. <laughs> Why not have Zack Snyder be your your mentor? Be there. Yeah, that's right. He's the mentor. Yeah. No, I think Andy, I like the way you frame it in the in your opening comments when you said that this film works as a means to an end. And in terms of that, Pete, bringing up this intro, especially looking at Bruce Wayne's sort of perspective on what happened in Man of Steel, I like that. I think that's insightful. Um, and you know, if I look at it as a frame to get to this plot. I think that's that's a good way to do it. I was happy with that. 
So where did it fall apart for you, JJ? This is this is this is your platform. This is the part where I think that being a comic book fanboy kind of does me a disservice when I see movies like this. But I felt this way in Man of Steel too, and I heard you guys talk about it a little bit in the Wizard of Oz podcast this week too. In that, it, I, the thing that disappoints me so much is it feels like that there isn't any sort of grace or care with these characters at all. There's no homage paid at all to the the movies that have come before nor the you know nor the comic books really and you know i i i appreciate what steve has said about going to the graphic novel and and this is kind of the dark version of what was in the comic books but there's this huge universe of source material that everything's been taken from and it just it, it feels like that everything was dismissive of that with you know if this is a means to an end or if this we want to tell this story everything seems rushed to get to that and there just doesn't seem to be any space or any care all the characters there's pretty much no character development in this film at all that, that I noticed. And, I, and I'd love to get your guys' opinion on that. But the, the, the thing was is that it's interesting that Andy's kids had all these questions because basically it feels like Zack Snyder is make, making the movie that he wants to make or, or making the universe that he wants to make, regardless of how the audience feels about these characters, and not really informing it either. So he's assuming you're coming with something, but not caring about what you've come with. That's the thing that's really dis- disappointed me with the film, is it felt like there was no nuance. There was no there was no real in-depth way, and it, it, it was kind of pervasive. It felt like it was that way in the dialogue. It felt like it was that way in the story. It felt like Zack Snyder was taking a sledgehammer to my head and saying, here's the Superman-Batman story that we're doing now. And that... It, it, that was really frustrating to me. It felt a lot like a superhero, and this I don't, it's kind of a weird thing to say, but it felt like a superhero story that was um, more born of September 11th than any other film has been. It, it something about it just just sat really. It it, it just was so dark and um, harsh. And I think, you know, I wasn't, uh, I knew, I kind of knew it was going to be because I had seen Man of Steel and I knew that was the direction that he was going. Um, it just, it just kind of kept going that route. And I, I think, um, what you said was pretty accurate, JJ, that, you know, he didn't bring any nuance to it. He didn't, uh, I just felt like there wasn't a lot of respect paid to these characters that had been created. You know, the problems I had with what he did with Superman in the previous one, I still have those problems. I mean, Superman just doesn't seem to care that much if people die. Um, you know, he seemed That's to have crazy. no problem. That's he seemed crazy to have no talk. problem killing that guy who um, was holding Lois Lane hostage at the That's, beginning. I mean, That's you know, not and, Superman. And even I know that Batman I know, and I'm no people. Superman fan. Yeah, I, right. Neither of them do. And then this whole branding thing uh, that Batman's doing, so he's not really killing them. But then if you get the Batman brand, you're as good as dead in jail. It's like, I, I don't know. It was just, it was strange that he took these characters to places that ended up being so dark. Yeah. I, That's, I, and, and my feeling as a comic book reader, and again, I, I, I couch it by saying that I think that it works in the negative for me, is I kept feeling like in the movie, I kept thinking, well, that's not a thing. Well, that's not a thing. And maybe that's that's the problem of my frame of reference. So I went back and I, I read a, a bunch of these getting ready for these. I, I read the, you know, the Frank Miller. Obviously, there's there's a huge amount of, of this work that comes from his work in the, the Dark Knight Rises. And 
Lex Luthor, Man of Steel series, uh, and Superman, the 2011 series, and uh, there's Superman and Batman, uh, you know, and where the, it opens with them working together against Metallo. And I, there are there are so many different comics that inform uh, either directly or indirectly this film, uh, leading all the way, obviously, to Death of Superman. Um that it, it it's hard. I mean, it's it's definitely uh, it's hard to keep it all sort of clear. But I, I was really uh, I was really moved by the last by by Man of Steel at the end when he breaks Zod's neck, and and I was really frustrated by that. And I felt like I was uh, on an island uh, because that seemed to just completely wash over the public. Um, and I've been carrying that bit of resentment for some time. I don't think that uh, that I, I think this film capitalizes on that experience in a way that I didn't find as uh, as oppressive as the Man of Steel. It did it in a way that showed that Superman is an immature character at this point in his sort of superhero-y career. And he is learning. And he is learning as a result of many, many things. He's learning as a result of the contempt, uh, the, the sort of wishy-washy contempt and, and love of the, of, of the global public. He's learning as a result of his relationship with Lois Lane and his, his friends and, and having to make these choices that are deeply personal versus uh, uh, much broader in scope and scale, and he, and he is learning these things, and he's making mistakes. And in this film versus the last, I don't feel like, in the in Man of Steel, I felt like they broke Superman. In this mm-hmm. film, I feel like they are, are doing their best to put him back together in a way that we can at least see that, that he is struggling with humanity as, a, as an alien resident of this planet. And, and I liked that's, that. That's true, but that's not a thing. Like, honestly, the thing that, that, that bugs me about it is that that's kind of remaking Superman in the image of The Watchmen, which is another Zack Snyder movie. Right. And it's like, that's the, that's the Watchmen story. That's not Superman's story. Superman is, and this is, again, from my sort of biased frame, but he's supposed to be the embodiment of good. You know, he's. I agree with you. The, the 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 anger or the resentment you felt when he broke Zod's neck. That's it. Just it. That doesn't make sense for Superman, but it's going that direction, and it just it doesn't. I don't know. But I see, feel like they're doubling down on the dark. I I think and they're doubling I don't get down. Why they would do that? Yes, I think they are doubling down on some of that darkness because it is a representation of the complexity of our culture right now. And I think, in many respects, the Superman that they are manufacturing for us is the Superman that is the mirror of our times. And saying that this is not a thing, that's not really valid because it's a thing. Once they make it a thing, they just made it a thing. It's real now. We have to deal with it. And it's going to be part of the DC Cinematic Universe, and it is now part of the canon that is Superman. And in 20 years, it will be a significant part of it, and and it will definitely be a thing because Zach put it there. And 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 so, you know, I, I think we really have to look at it as a thing that is representative of who we are, and we are becoming infinitely more complex culturally in the way we handle massive crime, uh, massive global unrest, and and our aliens, right? (laughs) (laughs) And our deep need for salvation in some way, shape, or form. And Superman is, this Superman demonstrates the complexity of that 
need. Exactly. What we grew up with, Christopher Reeve, that's the Superman from the golden age of comic books, from the 50s. and That is that. This is now drawing from the graphic novels and comic books of the 90s when things got gritty and dark. It's been 20 years. It has now become the next wave of things. And that's that's where things are going. When Bond got rebooted, everybody talked about how Daniel Craig was this more brutal, you know, killing machine. And that's what we're seeing here. We're getting a reboot that has this darker, more brutal, strong side to it. And it was something that I felt in the tone going through. And as Pete said, that's what we're getting. You don't have to like it. This may not be for you, but this is a direction that he has taken and, and chosen to go with. And, you know, we've got multiple Batmans out there. We, You know, you can look at, you know, Tim Burton's Batman versus Christopher Nolan's Batman. And they're completely different tones of how those Jokers are portrayed. Is one better than the other or do we accept them both? Why can't the same thing happen with Superman? I had forgotten. I was reading a little bit about Man of Steel that, you know, really the... F- as Pete said, this is this young character. The first time he really shows up in the public eye is this battle with Zod. It's not like people are like, oh, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman, he's here to save everybody. He didn't have that reputation at the beginning of that film. And we see that that's starting to develop through this film, but he's there's still this, this struggle with what role does this person play? And to me, that was the, the part of Man of Steel that I really connected with of the sort of spiritual aspect. And I think it's something we need to talk about in this film as well, because you've got Lex Luthor making multiple references to to mythology and gods. And it's something that's going to connect strongly through this. You've got, you know, somebody coming from outer space with this earthly mother and here he's, he's got to save humanity. And now we've got a character saying, well, wait a second, why do we allow this person who has, he can do whatever he wants. He can obliterate everyone from the face of this planet. We have no way to stop him. And Bruce Wayne is going to step up to defend humanity to say one person shouldn't have that much power. And that's the dynamic that I found really interesting in this film. And you can't have that if Superman is the Boy Scout in blue that is, you know, trusted by everyone. We don't have that dynamic. We don't have a story. And I felt that this was a really nice arc to see Bruce Wayne go from I'm carrying this this burden of I am the protector of these people to the transition that happens as he works through this manipulation that Lex Luthor is sort of pulling the strings on to manipulate everybody and what res- revelation he comes to by the end of the film where we see where what position he is in now. That to me was the interesting sort of aspect of the the story. That was the arc. This was an origin story, not of an individual character, but of a mindset of this this Justice League. It's right there in the title, Dawn of Justice. Well, and I agree with that. I I, I think for me, um, it was it was kind of a with all the different perspectives we had of of people in the story. I felt like Superman's was kind of not that focused. I mean, we had bits with kind of. Lois getting stuck and his mom getting trapped and and just kind of those emotional uh, things that he had to deal with when somebody he loved was was in a position of danger. But I I felt like, you know, for this guy who's going through these emotions, uh, and I mean, I I really enjoyed those elements in this film where he had to like go before the the Senate hearing and kind of do that sort of political stuff. I, I thought that was a really interesting element to have in here, despite the fact that it didn't really go anywhere because of the 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 bomb, but I, I liked that element quite a bit. Unfortunately, it also like when the whole thing blew up, 
Superman disappears and we don't know why the audience, like the people on earth don't know why he just kind of disappears. And it's like, it was that moment where I'm just like, gosh, I wish that I had a better sense of what was going through his head in these moments as to why he's making some of the decisions that he's doing and, and kind of, and, and that's something that kind of left me a little distanced from him in this, in that element of his growth. That was one of the things, that was one of the moments where I felt a lot of this film, things happened because the story needed them to happen. Meaning, because we've talked about how the story's pushing things forward, all this kind of stuff, that the we needed Superman to disappear so everyone could go, boo, where's Superman? Did he do this? Which makes no sense, because clearly it was Lieutenant Dan. Um, but uh, <laughs> But so all of that happening, there was a lot of, I thought, manipulative storytelling as far as that went. Um, with making us forcing people to feel certain ways about certain characters. And that was a big one for me. Wait, wait. Uh, so, okay. So the there is already building anti-Superman sentiment, right? We know that the public is a fickle public, and the fickle public is already, you know, calling for Superman to go before the court. There is a, a conservative, uh, fear-mongering a political bent here, and we live this every single day. We don't need to go to a movie to understand what this is. It's it is life. And he goes before this. There is a bomb, a massive fireball, which the public has seen before at the hands of Superman and his Kryptonian buddies. And we're not to to believe that the public would naturally sense that Superman might have had something to do with this. What I, I I'm that's not what we're saying. It's the fact that Superman just disappears, but we don't we don't get any perspective from him in that. Sure, we do. Thing. He goes he I goes felt, off to I, Lois I, no. Lane on the balcony, and they have a conversation no. about it. They right, they have a, a brief conversation, but it's just I don't know. I felt like I needed more from it. They sh- maybe should have added a dream sequence. To or, tell us. or an Inception <laughs> style dream sequence. I think that might have <laughs> might have improved things. I I would also I just wanted to throw in based on this this uh, Steve's comments. You know I went back and I also read the first three and I have not gone very much further than this. But the first three of the reboot of the new Fifty Two action comics, the uh you know the the new Superman story in which he's wearing a short red cape, a blue Superman skin tight T shirt, and jeans with loafers. And (laughs) that's what I'm wearing right now. Uh, And I'm telling you, it goes dark really fast. This Superman in 2011 is not afraid to torture and uh, drive home his points with fear and drop people off buildings and do some things that that Superman has never done. And uh, and and so I, you know, just just to support that point that. It's not Zack Snyder that is pushing Superman dark. It's definitely us. It's it's DC uh, pushing against this cultural reality, and and I think this is this is the result. And we're seeing it on screen for the first time, but it's not the first time that Superman has gone dark in the last decade. Well, and I think that's fair, and I think it's great that you bring up the political situation. But I think I guess when I compare it to the way that DC is building this franchise. And building all their franchises, really. I mean, you watch the TV stuff as well, um, versus the way that Marvel's doing it. I think Marvel's doing it with more grace. I think Marvel's doing it in a more entertaining way, and they're and they're bringing both. It's it's still comic in the way that it can be terribly dark and then also funny and entertaining and all that stuff. It isn't slamming into us saying this is dark. This is the world we live in. This is, you know, they don't have to punch us in the face with the existence of it. Marvel's doing it in a more graceful way, I think. And I just, I'm, I'm happier with those movies. I guess that's a question though. Is DC 
purposefully doing that just to separate themselves from feeling like, oh, it's just a Marvel, it's just another version of what Marvel is doing. I think it's more, I don't know what I'm talking about, but it seems more cynical to me. I think they're just desperately trying to play catch up. Marvel was able to have uh, grace because they spread out their collection before the Avengers over four or five movies. True. They made Man of Steel and then said, okay, now it's time for the Justice League. And look, here's Fasty and here's all these people. And that's one of the reasons that this film feels so overstuffed to me is they just, they shoved so much into it. Like JJ's saying, they hit us in the face just so they could start their, I don't know, their plan B or whatever it's called that Marvel does. Well, you know, and, and to JJ's point, I think one of the things that is that that is frustrating about this for me, when you look at the overall tone of the DC, and I'm, I'm I don't know if this is a thing. Speaking of things that are things, the DC cinematic universe uh, is is how wildly different it is in tone and tenor from the DC television universe. Hmm. Uh, when we look at Arrow and uh, and the Flash on DC or on television, they are wonderfully comic uh light and yet substantive fair i mean it's it is uh those are really entertaining stories and they do a great job of of kind of bringing home some of the deeper uh, kind of relationship elements and political elements and they're just they're fun to watch and uh when you look at marvel like agents of shield compared to the films they seem like one cohesive unit and what we get from dc is Two completely different properties that do not talk to one another. Different people, it, it appears, even uh, they don't even know what the other group is doing tonally. And I, I think that's a that is a challenge, and and it's something that I that certainly I notice. Are they at least trying to get like? Is the guy who plays the Flash at least no, the no, guy no. who? It's a totally no. different. And it's Flash, a huge huh? point of contention because the Flash is actually a great rated TV show, yes. and people really like it. And I agree with you, Pete, on the on the way the TV. I'm actually watching the TV show. Yes, and and actually Stephen Amell, who plays Arrow, came out in and you know did the big social media blast about the fact that they're not communicating. They're doing two separate, complete things. And I think it's a huge miss on DC's part. It's not capitalizing on the possibility of exponential popularity growth. Yeah. Marvel you know, I, Marvel's doing the same do thing. That. Marvel's doing the same thing though. You've got the Marvel Cinematic Universe which is light and you've got, you know, Agents of Shield which is light. Who's watching Netflix? Daredevil and Jessica Jones, those are just yeah. as dark. Daredevil's very and dark. Yeah, that's a really good point. That is and really they are just as popular. And yeah, right. so DC's doing the dark cinematic and they've got they've got the light. But in Marvel, you've also got the X-Men, which sort of is in the middle. Because Days of Future Past and you've got Apocalypse, those aren't looking as light as the other Marvel properties. And, and the preview for the new X-Men film is Marvel. Right, yeah, and that's so we're seeing something that's. I know the. I know there's different studios behind there, but when the trailer played, it was Marvel that that logo came up first. That this is being branded as, as Marvel X Men, and it is definitely darker in tone than we've seen in most of the Marvel universe. I guess cinematically, what I sometimes base some of my why I'm casting DC as more cynical and more money grabbing than Marvel, which I know is absurd because Marvel's making money hand over fist is if there was a first brain trust that Marvel turned to, it was Joss Whedon. And DC turned to Zack Snyder. Zack Snyder, known <laughs> yeah. for his visuals very much, but no delicateness, no ability to bring large casts together, no dialogue, no none of those things. He is a blunt object that loves shockwave um, effects. Whereas Joss Whedon is sort of a beloved, nerd, loved comic book fan, all of these kind of things. That I feel is just like, and then to learn that Zack Snyder is going to be overseeing the rest of the movies, 
I mean, that just, that's got to break some hearts. I love that phrasing you used because it reminds me of what Judy Dench says to Daniel Craig. You're a blunt object. It is that same type of tone they're going for. And they need to distinguish themselves. And I think... But one is yes. but one is smart. Okay. It depends I, what you're totally looking for. totally subjective though, Tommy. Yeah. Like there are people who really like Zack Snyder films generally. There are people out there. They may not be sitting in this group of thugs, but they <laughs> are out there. They are, they well, I, are Don, out there, but I mean, I, as far as being beloved, as far as give, well, okay, I don't know. I feel like... How, how do you guys feel about the Michael Bay Transformers? Terrible. I like the first one. Yeah. And then, it, it, I mean, it, it's the same sort of thing, right? That the sort of, the grace and the joy and the fun of the what it was is gone, right? Now it's just... A noise machine. What Tommy's talking about, a noise machine. It's a money thing out there. And Pete, those people out there that like... The, this thing are all probably also the people that like where the Transformers franchise is going. Well, I, oh, I disagree with that. I disagree I mean, with I, that. I think, I think there was actually, I mean, I, I think there's a lot of stuff that they put into this film and trying to make something that they thought was good. I mean, I don't think that this was just an attempt to make money. I really think they were trying to, you know, take this these superheroes and really kind of create this new uh, path so that they could have uh, more stuff and tell more stories. I think there's some interesting stuff going on here. I don't think that it worked all the time. And I like, I mean, I like at least, you know, I like Zack Snyder's first four films that he directed. Um, oh, I didn't see Sucker okay. Punch. I really liked Sucker I didn't Punch. Like. That's the only one. I, I, I didn't see that one, but Dawn of the Dead, I really enjoyed that remake. Yep. 300, I actually really enjoyed. Yep. Watchmen, I enjoyed, uh, despite some problems I had. And, and Legend of the Guardians, I really enjoyed that one. Um, so, I mean, I think for for me, he's more, uh, you know, he hits more than he misses. And so... Fair enough. Subjective. I don't know. Yeah. I just don't... I, don't, I, I, I do agree. Putting him in any kind of a realm with Joss Whedon just seems surpri- a surprising choice. Well, I think, you know, looking at people who um, are the people at DC and who are, are plucking directors to direct these. I mean, look at what he did with... I mean, 300 and Watchmen were both graphic novels that he adapted in really uh, visual, visually interesting ways. Now, granted, um, I, I, I've only read Watchmen, but I mean, I think he really worked well as far as following the path of the actual uh, of the actual story in the books rather than kind of adapting it as well as they probably could have. But that being said, I still think yeah. he did a lot of great stuff with them. Yeah, Watchmen was almost exact. Yeah, uh, despite some changes. And I haven't watched his, like, the nine-hour version or whatever, which is supposed to be, like, you know, frame by frame exact. But wow. but I, I think that he, for the most part, um, does some good stuff. I just, I, I think... I feel like there were some misdirected thoughts as far as the direction they were trying to go with this. And yes, it's dark and cynical and brooding and and stuff. But, you know, Batman and Superman are two iconic characters, like comic book characters, that I, you know, from when I was a young kid, they were comics that I could watch. They were TV shows that I could watch, movies I could watch. Taking my kids to this one, I felt like a bad father taking their kids to Batman. <laughs> no, let's Superman. let's be clear. Because you are a bad just, father for that. Yes. That's I, I, well, I'm not as bad as you taking your daughter no. to Kingsman. I am not so, saying uh, that like you're not saying. in good company. <laughs> <laughs> We're down there together. But but yeah, I just I I you know, I guess for me it's like despite um I mean I do like a lot of elements here. I just really pine for the days where I felt like I could safely walk into a Batman and Superman movie and just really feel it's safe for my kids. Yeah, on the next TNR short, father failure. 
<laughs> I love it. Uh, we've talked say, a lot so? about. I was gonna say we've talked a lot about Batman and Superman. There was one character that got applause in the theater that I saw this in. Jimmy that was Olsen. One, that no, that was Wonder Woman when she <laughs> really? when yes. she when she shows up the first time in armor when she shows up to defend Batman against uh, Doomsday. Doomsday. There was just applause breaking out all over the theater, and I was so excited with what they did with that character because it was something. It was maybe it's because I ha- we haven't had anything with her. What were they? What is? What can she do? What is it going to look like? And it was just really thrilling to me. It brought a different energy to that fight because we talked about everybody that's seen Man of Steel. It's like Superman and Zod just relentlessly pummeling each other for it felt like half an hour here with the three of them working together, brought a different dynamic to that. There was still grand scale destruction that I think went way over the top, but the dynamic of the collaboration of the three of them brought a different energy to this that really, for me helped carry that last act through. And what you know we didn't get any she's a character of mystery we i love that they kept a lot of that shrouded in mystery she was um well balanced in terms of playing bruce uh with their little banter back and forth there was something you know dynamic about her in combat i just really for me that was the high point of the entire film musically i love the theme that shows up when she's there in battle that's what i was about I was, to say is that it, that's the first time Zack snyder seems like he's having fun too oh that's an he, interesting yes. he, he he ditches the ha 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 continuous gods are fighting kind of thing and he throws <laughs> him in a guitar lick and with that also steve she's the only person in the film on maybe lex luthor who's having any fun i mean this film is a yeah. dour off and so I like, I totally agree with what you're saying, but I think it's also the way that he used her, not just her. Although I, I, I have to say, she Gal Gadot is was terrific, and in in my book, I think she is is possibly the best cast of all of them. And I didn't have a problem with either of the two choices, Henry Cavill obviously, and and Affleck. I think she is going to make a terrific addition to this cast. And was it just me, or was it Chris Pine standing next to her? Right, it was, totally looked it, like it, it was. No, it it is because he's in he's in the Wonder Woman movie. He is. He's, okay. Yes, he's what? in the Wonder Woman movie because it starts off. I think it's World War Two. Her story starts off in World War Two, and have you guys do you not you know keep up on your geek news? No, Kirst Pine. There were some set photos from early on. Yeah, he's playing. Uh, I can't remember the character's name, but yeah, back Steve in, Trevor. Steve Trevor back in World War Two is where her story starts. That's awesome because she's like thousands of years old. <laughs> That's exciting. But I think the TV series I think started in World War One, like or World War Two in the first season. So I think they're going back to that for at least the first part of her her standalone film. Uh, let's talk just a, a little bit. We've talked a lot about um, uh, about Superman. Uh, can we talk about about Batfleck? Uh, what you what was your take on uh, Ben Affleck's uh, portrayal of the Batman? I I thought he was great. I actually really enjoyed what he did. I enjoyed his perspective about like, you know, we are criminals, Alfred. You know, just that whole that whole dark perspective. Like he's been doing this so long that he's just cynical and brooding and I just like this dark place that it's taken to him. I thought he was actually a great choice, and I, I liked that element of him. I'm right there with you. This is a, it's another Batman, and I'm just as happy with this Batman as I was with you know Christian Bale. It's a it's a different Batman, and it worked really well for me. This film really felt like his story. Uh, maybe it's I connected more with Ben Affleck and what he was doing with Bruce Wayne. I didn't really connect 
as much with what was going on with Clark Kent and, and Henry Cavill's portrayal there. But with this one, I, it really, I, it, it pulled me in and I enjoyed that performance. I felt like I'm looking forward to, cause I've heard that there will be more Batman solo movies with Ben Affleck involved. So I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to that. I think I read somewhere that he's going to direct one. Yes, that's is, that's what I've that heard. Right? Yeah, um, just to just to agree with agreement, uh, I, it made me want to just watch a Batman movie. Oh, that's great <laughs> to hear, Tommy. I actually expected you to be the curmudgeon on that. No, I really liked him, and I liked. I mean, my favorite sequence of the entire movie was him saving uh, Superman's mom. Except that yeah. he's killing people, which was distracting. <laughs> Batman doesn't just take a knife and then throw the knife in someone's chest. That's just not how it works. No, he hit it in his shoulder. I watched yeah. that. He didn't actually kill Yeah, him. but he put poison on it first. You didn't see. <laughs> That's true. I missed that part. See, here's the thing. I actually, my, son's, my son, when we walked out of it, he's just like, why wasn't there more Batman? So at least I felt like there was something there from his perspective, that he really connected with Batman and wanted more Batman. For me, that sequence was exactly the movie that I wanted out of the Arkham Knight, Arkham Asylum games. Uh, the the video games I think have done an incredible job of capturing this Batman, this Batman that is an incredible brawler, and uh, I had so much fun watching this because it it felt like the big screen adaptation of something I have done as this Batman on my own television. I thought they did a terrific job stylistically of of you know of uh, Affleck playing this character. I completely agree. I've played both games too, Pete. Um, and I loved them. And I thought that and the other, granted the dream sequence was so ludicrous, but the big fight there too yes. had that same kind of feeling of just that one kind of long shot and just taking people out and out and out. That was really fun. <laughs> you know what they did at that dream sequence? I This gets into the production design. Which which one are you talking well, about? Well, you know, the the sand sequence part, you know, where he's... Oh, not the dream sequence before. Not oh, yeah. the dream not sequence, the dream sequence this, before. Well, no, right, not the dream sequence. So he's, this is the sand sequence in the future, right, where he is, he's, I don't know, future past, whatever. Um, so he's in his, like, fatigue... Batman uniform and that is I've seen that uniform before I know that's a thing thing. and I remember seeing it in the comics and thinking god he has a uniform for everything how dumb (laughs) he's like Batman Barbie it is it's Uh... Batman Barbie and so I know I may that on that point I may be alone I guess I'm glad they brought it to the big screen but uh but I did make me that was the only time I get I got to thinking you know really with the ears you need the ears on the sand dune uniform too. I guess. Oh, I just it's, love that. It's and, a I, thing. and I love it's that they thing. had. I, I love that they had his um like from uh, was it the Dark Knight Returns when he had that like when he and Superman had that big fight in the comic, and they he he built that like mechanical super metal armor yes. outfit that he was fighting Superman. And I love that he kind of that they built that into it too. I thought that was a great little. Did you uh, did did anybody stop and think? My goodness, like as an actor. Did Ben Affleck see anything while he was in that character uniform with those flashlights right in front of his eyes? I thought that was awesome. Did they put like little TVs in there so he could actually see what's going on around him with a camera? That would have been cool. That's yeah, pretty but much he was, all I could he think was about. watching Argo. Which is 
Um, okay, so uh, we, we're okay with Ben Affleck so far, and now let's move on to, I think, one of the more controversial but interesting casting uh, choices, Jesse Eisenberg as Alexander Lex Luthor. What did we think of the long-haired, flamboyant, young Lex? I thought that his performance was the best in the film because I thought it went, it had the most, uh, it was the most well-rounded it was the less it was the most nuanced i guess of any character he actually it, it seemed as though he went through some sort of this progression uh, that being said uh i i don't think lex is supposed to be crazy but yeah again, i was a little again, confused with that cuz cuz they took him in a direction where i was like it was like, is he just kind of losing his mind? What's going on with him? Yeah, but I don't, I, I, and I don't want to keep hitting on that point because Pete, you you made a really good point earlier when you said this is what it is now, and I and I should get used to that. But I, <laughs> I like the the problem is is that Lex is supposed to be this like just he he wins with his intelligence, super genius, and his charisma, and his yes. he's a politician. Yeah. Right, and 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 that wasn't really what he did in this film. And I again, I just I guess I like the way that they used to be better. Get off my <laughs> <laughs> there, there it is. Uh, well, but but to that point, I mean, how was Gene Hackman versus this? Because I mean, Gene Hackman was kind of fun as Lex Luthor, but he was also a buffoon. He was kind of like, a used car salesman. Like, yeah, he's like super genius slash buffoon, and I mean, especially having uh, his sidekick around. Uh, yeah, Mister Luthor. You know, I don't know. I just felt like why would Lex Luthor have this guy helping him? As funny as I as he was when I was a kid. Well, I th- I, I liked Hackman better. I have to admit, I, I agree with you. But that buffoonery is something that I appreciated in the earlier movies. So I, that's why I'm in that boat. Well, for me, it was I was wondering about the sort of manic his manic nature. Uh, where he was going with that. But then it came to where he's talking with Superman and he's talking about, or no, I'm sorry. It's when they're at the library and he's talking about knowledge and it's knowledge is power. And then he sort of ends that speech very abruptly with the statement along the lines of, you know, something about having knowledge and then not having power. And I th- felt that really encapsulated what's going on with this character. Who's apparently brilliant because we can see the long game that he plays with these, you know, with these two characters, what how he's able to manipulate things and really play through his game. He's a very intelligent man who, up until this point, has had no power. We he's got his corporation, but he's craving that that political power. This is his opportunity. But I had that sense of this is something that's been festering in his mind for a long time. Living in the shadow of his abusive father. Here's you know, this is his finally his breakthrough moment where he can you know become the epitome of what he imagines he can be. And to me, that helped justify some of that characterization. It's not something I love, uh, but it's something that didn't get under my skin as much as I thought it was going to. I, I thought that I, his portrayal was interesting. I think what's it most what, what was most troubling about it for me is that in the comic, if you look at the, particularly judging from the, the Lex Luthor Man, or, Man of Steel series, um, his mistrust of Superman is very real. It is really palpable. Like he believes, just as Affleck portrayed in the film, that Superman is a an incredibly dangerous thing to this planet, right? And and it was and and needs to be controlled. And in Eisenberg's portrayal of Luthor, I I got the feeling that that was what was on the surface, but he was so crazy and maniacal that I didn't get a feeling. I I didn't really walk away thinking that it was legitimate. 
like he he was he was legitimately positioned to believe that superman was was bad for the world but instead it was much more of a simple power play and uh on lex's part that he just wanted to be the more powerful guy and he was crazy enough to do anything to get there which felt to me much more like the joker frankly and 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 much less like the lex luthor uh, you know in jj's words the lex luthor that that you know we've we've grew up with uh, so that was my challenge with it. And that was something that I felt too, because I felt like as the film was, as it was getting to this point where he was going to reveal Doomsday, I was like, okay, so there's got to be some connection he's going to have to Doomsday. He gave him his blood to bring him back to life. Is there going to be a control thing where he can kind of help control him? But then he's completely out of the picture. And I really kind of felt like, uh, I mean, there was an interesting perspective of him wanting to find a way to be more powerful than Superman. But as soon as he does that, he's gone from the movie. And I, I I felt like that was a stumble on their part of just completely dismissing Lex Luthor at that point in the film and losing him. I was like, well, at least he can go find the spear. At least he can kind of get involved in that subplot as silly as it would have been. But I mean, at least he would have been in the movie again, other than seeing him getting locked up. And so that for me, really, uh, I felt like they they just get, didn't give that character enough of what they needed to for me to really um, get what I wanted out of him. And and that was actually the you just brought up the only distraction for me in the final fight scene, which was um, Amy Adams going back for the spear. Um, but yes. I I guess I I'm with you. I so felt like it should have been Luther going for the spear that that when she went back for it, she you mean and all this time she never left that building. Oh my gosh, she was in there. She was wandering around for half an hour. And then unbeknownst to anyone, she knows to go get back and get the spear. Yeah. Unless I missed stuff. She's so involved. She's not supposed to be involved to that level. This is when we started to get insane with the, the, I don't know if they're logic jumps, but just pushes forward where a bunch of weird things happen off screen. That all of a sudden everyone knows. It's like groupthink. Once one character learned something, there were a lot of times in this that yes. everyone all of a sudden knew without talking to each other. Okay, so that was one. The spear thing was one, but give me another because I I didn't see that as, Super, as much Superman, as you guys did. Superman calling Batman Bruce. How did he know that it was Bruce Wayne? Well, he w- at the library. He was listening in. He could hear Bruce's conversations with Alfred. Oh. So I, I, you know, no. And again, they didn't they didn't feed it. They didn't feed us the reveal. And I. You know, I'm I'm glad they didn't, but I think it speaks to, you know, both of these guys, they're, you know, what they're getting at is they're studying each other. And I think, you know, it's, he's been able to piece together what's going on as a journalist working for the Daily Planet, what's been going on and, and seeing what Bruce is doing and what the Bat is doing that he pieced together. And there may be a deleted scene where he put that together and impacted pacing. To me, it didn't bother me. The... Lois Lane going back for the spear. I swear there was a conversation she had with somebody about whether it was with Superman or Batman of, oh, we got to get the spear. It's it's the only thing they can, you know. They were all together in the, um, all three of them met up at the end of the fight between Superman and Batman. The superheroes. The superheroes. Right. And then, right. And then they all left. And she didn't say, hey, can you give me a ride somewhere? <laughs> I'm just going to wander out of this factory for half an hour. But I don't remember them saying that. Because she picked up the spear and threw it away. If any one of them would have said, you know what's important, kryptonite, or the spear, she probably wouldn't have done that. Yeah, nobody else, uh, according, uh, you know, based on what we saw, nobody else knew that the spear was in the water. So then Superman goes down and saves her and then goes back for the spear. Now, I'm assuming he somehow could see it down there. Um, but that, that just, again, seemed like, well, if she's trying to get rid of it, why bury it in essentially what amounts to a kiddie pool 
full of of water <laughs> that it was pretty easy to salvage. So that that was Which, the thing that was a distraction. For and, me. and the idea of Zack Snyder holding some things back, being like, "Oh, the audience will get it. I don't need to spoon feed it," <laughs> while also having at the end of Superman and Batman's big fight a seemingly twenty minute replay of Batman's parents dying just so we can remember and his father saying Martha again. Like we got it. Right. Like I mean yeah, yeah, we were yeah. pretty hit over the head with every single thing. So it's hard for me to believe that he would trust us for some of that <laughs> stuff. I think some of those things there was a lot of the plot that was like just slightly pushed forward and then every once in a while it was just shoved. And then you'd say, wait, how does he how does he know that? And then Zack Snyder goes, shockwave. I will say just to that point, Tommy, I had no idea that that both of their mothers were named Martha. And I actually had to go and look online to see if that was actually something that existed or if he came up with it for the movie. And I was actually really happily surprised that it's, that's just how it is. And I really enjoyed the fact that they did use that element uh, as, as clumsy as it ended up being, but I really enjoyed that they, they use that to kind of connect these two characters. Together. Agreed. I, I love the great. idea. The execution, the was, execution ridiculous. was terrible. It was, it was yeah. such an incredibly fast turn uh, on behalf yeah. of Batman that it was tough yeah. for me too. And I liked it. There's that turn. And then, you know, if we need to decide to use nukes, we can do it in less than six minutes. That was troublesome. That was troublesome, but <laughs> you pick your battles. Can we talk, Get the keys. can we talk about uh, Jeremy Irons? is Alfred Pennyworth, please. I liked that he was like a mechanic Alfred. Like he had his little mechanic suit on. He was getting in there to go fix the car. I thought that was great. I enjoyed him as Alfred. I, I thought it was really great. Uh, and and he made, I think, a great partner and foil for, uh, you know, for Bruce Wayne. I thought that was terrific. I loved the cave too. I think the, you know, the in terms of production design, I thought it was really beautifully architected. Uh, the gadgets were good and, and not too crazy. The car was awesome. I wanted the car. I thought the car was a great evolution of the tumbler from the Nolan movies. I thought it was great. I was I was a little concerned about his uh, his underwater cave entrance. <laughs> How many fish they probably end up sucking in every time he drives it. That was back yeah. That work. was a part of when the movie was getting haywire for me. Of like you can't just drive through a waterfall. <laughs> the entire sure sea has to part. <laughs> Okay, Moses. You know, okay, come on. Now that they did to a much larger degree uh, in the middle of what the Potomac in uh, the last Avengers movie or the the Captain America, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's 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 settled science. Uh, so <laughs> comic, comic, comic book science yes uh any other characters stand out to you guys that you would like to talk about i suppose we should talk about holly hunter who is is sort of an antagonist certainly an obstacle but um well she has her opinion changed or rendered irrelevant well she grew up on a farm <laughs> yeah she can wrestle so pigs she knows how to wrestle a pig yeah yeah, yeah. that's good i i I like Holly Hunter, and I actually enjoyed her as a senator. I, I thought too. that that was a good a good um, casting choice to play a senator like this. So I actually I, I enjoyed her quite a bit in this, and I loved her moment as she's sitting there and has the realization of what's about to happen. I thought that was a really strong moment in the film. Uh, me too. For all the characters in there, all the major characters, I think Henry yeah. Cavill actually but, did a but terrific she's... job of that too. In that sequence. But I just loved how she's, you know, with the jar yeah. and everything in, in the middle of her speech. I just, putting two and two together, I thought that was great. <laughs> I liked her too. I liked her too. So why did she change her mind? Why did the character change her mind when she was super anti-Superman? 
And then Lex wanted to stop Superman. So why did she change her mind? I think she was anti-Superman, but at the same time, I don't think she was... She was not, she she kind of fit that Superman mindset more than the Batman mindset, I felt, where she's just like, you know, I want to stop, I want to control Superman, but having a weapon of mass destruction to do so is not the way. We need to find a better way to do it. And that's why they were having this hearing, and she even says that. We are here to talk. That is what people do. And I, I thought that was pretty clear for from my perspective. It was an enemy gotcha. of my enemy thing, right? I mean, she recognized right. in Lex somebody who is truly dangerous uh, at an ideological level. I think and that was that was the yeah. awakening that I think I got from their conversation in that uh, in the office. I liked that when uh, before the reveal that it's a cup of piss tea. That when they're moving in towards her, <laughs> and I and you could see if you were looking, you could see that it was a mason jar already before it even cut back to her and i was like we get it she's from a farm (laughs) senators don't just drink out of mason jars and then i was like oh cup of piss fair enough (laughs) oh that's Zack snyder nuance again yeah we we skipped over amy adams did we (laughs) no i i I think that's the one weakness of the film is I don't you know, think it's her fault. And, and, and it, I don't know if it's just the character of Lois Lane whose function is a plot device to cause Superman to react in certain ways. We, you know, to either divert him from something or cause him to take action. She's a pawn that gets used in different ways. I, I did think that, um, you know, at, at the beginning, I, d- I did have questions about whether or not that was Jimmy Olsen that was the photographer with her at the, at the very beginning. And then I looked and yes, that was, that's sort of a little... Thing that didn't get that you know, got I guess, shot. Yeah, yeah, that was Jimmy Olsen oh. that they shot at the beginning. Oh, that's terrible. Uh, so I thought you know she started off a little bit stronger of a character at the beginning, but by the end it was yeah she's just damsel I'm going to go peril. get the spear damsel damsel in in peril. So yeah, she was sort of a D story, right? I mean, we yeah. needed a little bit of that political uh, intrigue. We needed the the mystery around the bullet, uh, all to lead back to Lex to build this case that Lex and Bruce Wayne, who at the beginning of the film are ideologically aligned, become ideologically misaligned. We needed that, and I think yes. it it ended up being a little bit clumsy. But I imagine that this R rated, uh, you know, Blu Ray that we're going to see come July which apparently will include the reveal that that you know photographer double agent uh, CIA agent is Jimmy Olsen by name um i we're going to see you know a lot of extra footage that fills in some of those blanks that i think make it look clumsy now i don't fault amy adams though no i don't think it's no, I, just feel, no. I just feel like they haven't i i know they're trying to write the tough reporter that lois lane always was but um i don't know i just don't feel like they've they've found their footing. I don't think they did with Margot Kidder either. I mean, I enjoyed her in the first Superman, but then she did quickly become kind of a, a damsel in distress and it got progressively worse with those. Well, things. and you have to you so, have to remember she was uh, Margot Kidder got spazzy when as soon as the relationship yeah. between, you know, Clark Kent and Margot Kidder yep. became something and in this movie they was it was it, it it was more of a substantive relationship. I actually really liked the love scene, sort of entree to the love scene of him climbing in the bathtub. I thought that was that was fun and you know satisfying and sexy, and I thought it was great. Again, a little too much for me. I, <laughs> no, you mean too much for the kids? <laughs> too yeah. far. Yes, yeah, so I was like, eh, don't need to have that happen right out of the gate with this. I, who who is the Lois Lane in the um, Superman Returns? Kate Bosworth. Yeah, I feel like I felt they wrote her better. 
or that version of Lois Lane in that film. They wrote her more intelligent. And that is, so the reason why I bring up Amy Adams here, and it, because you guys really liked a lot of the performances, so I don't want to take away from your from what you guys have said there, but I think that I Amy Adams is actually one of my favorites in just in, in general, and I think in both this movie and Man of Steel, they do a really poor job of making her look good, whether it's at, 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 as the lowest character or in general, the way they shoot her. It's just it, they're picking bad clothing they're picking bad shots and i think they frame everyone really strangely as well so like for example i really like ben affleck too but i didn't particularly like him in this movie because i think they shoot him in this really sort of heavy way and everyone looks sort of it it, it, it's sort of pulling at them and i you know you think amy adams in like american hustle right i mean she she can look stunning bombshell and yeah, and and they aren't doing that with her here. And I don't think I don't think they've taken care with any of the actors in the way that they look, in the way that the treatment that they're given. And that and that frustrates me in the, in the way they made the movie. I don't know if that's cinematography or if that's direction, but that's where I kind of get into the the question of where is the care in this movie. So, I you know, I don't want to go too far in depth or take us in another direction with that, but that was my thing. That the reason why I thought Lex Luthor was the was the best performance is I felt like that was the only really feature where the the camera was featuring him the story was featuring him in a way that was complementary to the character and to the actor in none of the other actors nor in the characters do I feel that way well I think with Ben Affleck they were going back to if you look at Frank Miller's Dark Knight Returns how Bruce Wayne looks there I mean he is just he's big big, a big brick and I I thought they did a very good job because I thought I don't remember Ben Affleck looking that just broad but it it to me, it, it worked. It gave that character some weight to go up against Superman. It, he's got to have that bulk and that mass to that he's of substance. Uh, the character, I, the other, aside from Lois Lane being really not well written, giving her much to do, um, Lawrence uh, Fishburne as uh, per- Perry White. White, just okay. Here's your mug. Go walk around and 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 just shout at your you know staff. There wasn't really anything for that character. I don't know, but that's but that's always been that character. I mean, I don't know him from the comic books, but even even the the Christopher Reeve version, and I can't remember what actor it was. I should because he's a well known one, but it was the same way. Yeah, more, I guess more I was just looking. For, I just was looking yeah, just for more in terms of the plot of you know if you're going to have Lois Lane and Perry White, they're they're working you know to solve this you know mystery of the bullet or that or what's going on. There would be something a little bit more other than. Clark, you still haven't turned in your article. And Lois, no, you can't get on a helicopter. And that was about, I think, the extent of the majority of his dialogue. Yeah, Andy, yeah. that was Jackie Cooper. And I think you're right. He was he was still that character. And you know, Jackie Cooper was that character in the original Superman. Yes, yeah. right, right, right. Yeah. Do you guys know if they added, <laughs> added like, bubbles for the muscles to the costumes of either of these two guys? I always assume they do. But yeah. then you see... Um, you see uh, Henry Cavill with his shirt off, and it's like, wow, well, they probably didn't have to add yeah. too much. Yeah, they Henry probably Cavill had to like, and, reduce it in CGI because it doesn't look human. Yeah. <laughs> it's, and, and even. I, I will tell you that my family dressed up as the Justice League last year for Halloween, and I had to wear Superman, and the bubbles they put in my costume were ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the montage uh, so of funny. Ben Affleck working out was. Uh, was uh, Sadly, aspirational. Needless, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like with his, oh, of with course, his... I should tie a tie a weight to my ankles when yes, I'm doing my right. pull ups next. Because I didn't right. realize totally it was going to be a Batman CrossFit moment. It was and CrossFit, it, yeah. When he's beating on, up the tire, well, and... he's beating a tire with a bat, and I was like, 
you should probably have Alfred take a look at that. Like, I thought he was trying to, like, <laughs> fix things. And I was like, oh, Bruce. That was a strange first yeah, one. You're not in charge of the technical stuff. Oh, That's not geez. how you change a tire. We, uh, <laughs> we did not talk about the... I, I think we talked about it, even though we didn't uh, talk about it. Chris Terrio and David Goyer uh, with the writing of this film. Do we want to talk at all about the script before we move on to the really important stuff? Well, Pete, you said the, that you liked the pacing. I did. The pacing for me felt like it was kind of emotional pinballing, in that, and and that was with the the soundtrack as well. Um, but there were, it, it felt like there were all these tiny. That, you know, I brought up the nukes thing earlier. That you know, they gave us like it's not really a vignette, but they would put them in these little bunches, and then there'd be a crescendo of something, and then it would just go away. And I feel like that's it. It had all these sort of mini crises that just it just never felt like it got in a stride for me so i had a different feeling about it than you did in that respect i do think it's interesting that uh goyer was involved and you know the fact that he has been involved in so many batman stories for so long i mean he's he did all of the nolan uh ones with him i believe and then i mean just even things like uh you know ghost rider and things like that i mean he's done a lot of comic stuff he's played a lot of even some of the video game stuff so i feel like he's really tapped into it so i don't know maybe it's the the goyer side of things that i'm connecting with more here i i don't know it's interesting i i think they were faced with a a particular challenge in this film and that is to find a way to jam a number of iconic characters into this film and make them all feel like they are they are well-heeled characters and i think they did a fine job in the context of this story i didn't feel like the like any of the character arcs were out of balance and and that i think is a win for me you know i liked the uh, i liked the way we moved from the political story to the revenge story to the to the newspaper to the politics i i think they they moved me around well enough that it felt uh, it didn't feel like any any one character was getting short Trift. And that was honestly my biggest concern going into the film was, is this going to be Batman versus Superman, or is it going to be a Batman movie and Superman's there, or is it going to be Superman's movie and, you know, Batman's just hanging around? Like, I I think they did a great job of balancing these big characters and big actors. You feel like they were character arcs? I, I do. I do. I felt like we, I, I felt like I learned, uh, I, I felt like Superman uh, learned uh, as a result of his experience in this film. And uh, and I feel like he's going to be a different character in the next film. I feel like he's he's as a result of his experience here, he's going to be a different character. I think Batman he certainly can create anti gravity now. <sighs> JJ, that, that's from Man of Steel as well. <laughs> that's that's part of this universe. I, I think you know, in terms of the balance, it was there. I, you know, I I agree with Pete. I think. Anytime you have to split it, you're going to, you can't get as in depth uh, unless you're going to like three and a half hours, uh, you know, of, of movie like. So I think you've got to keep the economy of story. You've got to keep it moving along. You're going to have to sacrifice a little bit of depth. But uh, I, I didn't feel like this was one of those overstuffed like Joel Schumacher Batman movies where it's like we've got so many things going on. It's just like there's just. It's chaos. Everything tied together to me nicely. Um, you know, again, this is not, I wouldn't say it's a perfect film or, you know, an ideal, but it, it managed to keep a balance that, that kept me entertained from the beginning. I knew we were going to have to get a little bit of front loading of a lot of the plot up front of everybody's motivation and where they're going, but they were able to get through that. Act three became the big brawl again. I, th- I think the, the dynamic kept that. 
uh, from becoming just a wash of destruction like Man of Steel. So I, you know, to me, it, it was a well-balanced film. I personally felt it was more of Batman's story, but there was enough Superman stuff in there to that he wasn't just sort of window dressing hanging around in this film. I, I did like during the big brawl uh, that it felt like a Snyder uh, pointing out to uh, his audience from the last film, people complaining about kind of the whole thing with Superman destroying the city. <laughs> I already know what the you're fact about to that say. Yeah. it's just <laughs> when when Wonder Woman shows up, she's like, "Why did you bring him back to the city?" He's like, "Oh, this is completely desolate. There's nobody here." <laughs> that happens a couple <laughs> like, times. I feel like the does. only they thing make a big right, deal that about Zack it. Snyder learned from the last one is to have people off screen right. say it's abandoned. Like oh, that happens. Don't worry, nobody's Even here. The news, That's an the island. Nobody's says, there. Thank God it's happening here because this is just apparently an island filled with gasoline. Yeah. Yes, like, there's still yeah. gas lines <laughs> running, but apparently it's just desolate gas. Great. But you know, I mean, to be fair, that's pretty believable because Man of Steel they destroyed everything. Right. Of course, there's going to be a desolate part of the city that hasn't been rebuilt. I, I didn't find that. I, maybe it was a little on the nose that they said it so many times. Well, no, because the, the newscaster, I think that one of the newscasters said, oh, it's, you know, it's because it's down at the port and everybody's gone home from work. So it's, yeah, nobody's around. Right. But we, we did learn, uh, I think in back channels, we talked about this, the geography. So we've learned okay. where Gotham is in terms of Metropolis. Where are they? They're sort of what, across the bay from each other? Or yeah, something? it's like it's like New York yeah. City and and Newark, yeah. <laughs> Burroughs. Newark, yeah, because you can see the bat signal from Metropolis. Yes. Okay, yes, that was surprising exactly. to me. Yes. yes. Okay. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, Junkie XL and Hans Zimmer once again collaborating on this film after uh, Man of Steel. I love Hans Zimmer, and I think hearing the Inception music again in this movie was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> you're a, you're I really a do hard love man. But but uh but that um, yeah I do too I think I I mean I'm I'm with you I I, I actually agree uh, but uh, I also think that the uh, the Wonder Woman theme in particular was strong and I loved the Superman theme the from the last movie I thought it was really a great earworm symphonic earworm and I was disappointed that he made an intentional choice in this film to try to do something new and different. What I really wanted more than anything was more of the last film, which I thought was a stronger uh, score overall. So there were some real highlights here, but overall... I actually felt that he developed his themes from that one a little... I kind of liked the way that he developed the themes a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it it still wasn't my favorite score, but I mean, I still enjoyed the development from Man of Steel to this one and the inclusion of Wonder Woman in particular. I guess what I'm saying is I wish they had just taken the score from... That movie and just play. Just hey, here's, let me just send you the CD, and you just rescore <laughs> it. Just play. Just press play uh, to underscore. Anyhow, okay. Let's. I what I sure. want to hear more than anything is has this conversation changed any minds at all? And the only mind, frankly, that I care about is JJ. <laughs> well, I think I'm really glad we had that. There's the balance here because, like I said at the beginning, I'm really happy that people had a different opinion than mine in it. Um, I, you know, I've, I'm I'm actually whole. I think you guys would probably say that I've, that I've made a, a fair amount of sarcastic comments over the course of this podcast, but I'm actually holding back a few more of mine because <laughs> yeah. I don't want to sound like <laughs> such a hater on some of the things that, uh, but I, it, there, I had a lot of problems with the movie in general. And I think it's, it's really interesting that, um, that you guys bring up, uh, the fact that some of the stuff didn't hit as on the nose to you because that was kind of my biggest 
problem with the film is that I felt like it was all on the nose. And um, I think it was Steve that brought up that it didn't feel like a Joel Schumacher thing where everything got out of control. Well, it did for me in that it, it, it felt like the dark, graphic, violent version of Batman and Robin. And uh, and that was something that was just, just because it's more dramatic doesn't make it better for me. Uh, the last sarcastic thing that, that I'll say about it is that if Bruce Wayne is going to make a bunch of weapons to stop Superman and he already knows that Kryptonite is going to stop him, why do they have guns? Why does he bring up guns? Why does he have guns shoot Superman? He knows that's not going to work. He's Bruce Wayne, right? <laughs> uh, it, it, you didn't change my mind, uh-huh. but I'm really glad there was a balance here, and I'm really glad to hear that that you guys like the movie more than me. Fair enough, fair enough. Tommy? Um, I feel like, yeah, I'm definitely siding more with JJ. Uh, not that it's a fight. Uh, oh my gosh, it is. It's a film board via film board. <laughs> dawn, of, dawn of nonsense. Um, yeah, it's... Uh, it had a lot of trouble. I think that the main problem, I don't blame the actors. I don't blame the writers that much. I still kind of believe that Marvel, nope, sorry, DC is being greedy and just uh, overstepping too fast in order to catch up. Uh, and that led to what I felt was an overstuffed, at times underthought film that really did mostly look great, but uh, that left me wanting a lot more. All right, Andy. I do enjoy it. I, I definitely have problems with the movie. But I, I ended up, I ended up feeling like I, it came out not as bad as everything that I've been hearing. I've been hearing nothing but just vitriol and hate and just a lot of just awful things about it. And I'm just like, it's not that. I mean, and again, I'm not a huge fan of the comics, and I, I think a lot of people who are saying that are people who are fans of them and feel like you know Snyder's been betraying them with all of these films he's been making. I don't feel that way. I think the critics have been harsh. It definitely has its problems. Um, I feel like they took on something that was very ambitious, and I don't feel like they delivered it in the way that was um, uh, working the best for what they wanted out of it. I do think that it does lead well into a a Justice League uh, setup, and I think that is fine, and I'm happy with that because I'm excited about that. I can't wait to see uh, the Wonder Twins. That's going to be my favorite part. My biggest problem with this film is that they just took the characters in... And the whole story in just in just darker directions than I felt they needed to. I mean, I understand why something like Deadpool goes in the direction that it does, because that just kind of really fits. But in Batman and Superman, I just don't feel like they had to take it there, yet they did. And I know Nolan had already created a darker Batman, and I think that's fine. But I think that they took it into even darker territory than than where Nolan had taken it. And and not just darker, but just in in places that I don't feel like they needed to take it in 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 a comic book film so that disappointed me a little bit certainly felt uncomfortable watching it with my kids but in the end i still walked out of it saying you know what i still enjoyed it all right steve so this this isn't one of my favorite superhero movies but what i i do really appreciate and i think it's it's fitting that this film was released on the weekend that it was released because as i thought back about man of steel what that story really is and, and this one you know as i said lex Luthor gets into sort of mythology and is as superheroes being uh, mythological figures. We have the story of uh, Superman, uh, you know, somebody not of this earth that is sent by his father to this planet to save the people of Earth is a misunderstood character. And in this this story, uh, we get his his betrayal and death. Uh, and I thought that was very fitting uh, thematically to put on Easter weekend. And I think it, it's there's mm. some deeper things that go on in this film in terms of, mm. uh, you know, mythology about what how we view others. 
uh, and outsiders. And what I really appreciated is uh, at the very end of the film, Bruce Wayne uh, talking to Diana Prince, you know, about finding the rest of the other metahumans that they are going to have to work together. Uh, you know, he was very much a, you know, patriot fighting the outsider. And he's now realized that, yes, he's going to have to work with these other individuals, that uh, he's going to have to find them and they're going to have to fight. And it's about a community of different folks with different backgrounds coming together to fight a common enemy that we that is alluded to. And to me, there is no better message for this country to hear in an election year than we have to be able to understand and work with those people that we don't understand to be united as a country. Wow. Wow. Okay, I kind of like the movie now. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, well done, said, Steve. Well said, you Steve. You should have gone first. Yeah. That was well said, Steve. I agree with you. Uh, I, I and and I think I I I went last mostly because I think I liked it the most. I I did not have the problems you guys did. I think my my pre programming and meditation around Zack Snyder uh, worked, and and I feel like uh, as as gloomy as this was, I still found myself walking out uh, having enjoyed the experience overall. And and I'm uh, like Andy, really looking forward to uh, the next film. I I think that uh, we're set up. I think I I think it'll be really interesting you know when you look at this movie as as again that transition period to the dc cinematic universe it'll be really interesting to see how this plays out you know we get what i imagine will be an even darker experience with suicide squad coming up in august of this year and then next year wonder woman and uh justice league part one and then the flash and aquaman in 2018 and then justice league two in june cyborg april 3rd of 2019 green lantern in june of 2019 dc has its plate not quite as full as Marvel, uh, but it's getting there. And I think it'll be interesting once this engine is fully revved up and we actually see the identity, the overall sort of ideological worldview that the cinematic universe at DC is is going to present, because I don't feel like we really know what that is yet. Uh, and so I'm, I'm excited about it. <laughs> I couldn't be less happy about everything you just said. <laughs> I don't want, I don't want this to happen. Any of this. <laughs> You're talking about years and years and years. Oh, yes. All right. That's me. Yes, I am. Get ready. I'm going to move to the woods with my puppy. <laughs> I'm going to well, buy well, you I, a satellite. Yeah. <laughs> why do you think they'll have to fight? I have a feeling. Uh, all right. Well, it is. I, I think it is time as we wrap up the meat of our conversation. It's time to rank it. No, 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 Not that big a fan. Flick chart. Oh, oh. wow. Tommy. I said I don't spend any time on movies that I don't care for. Do you remember <laughs> you, the Hobbit is... theme? At least this one had more than half a second. Flickchart. Head over to flickchart.com, everybody, and you log into your accounts. If, you are, uh, if you're crazy like us, you probably have your own separate film board Flickchart account. That's the one you're going to get the username and password for that one and log in because we're going to do it. Batman v. Superman versus Andy. This is a great way to start. Batman v Superman or The Dark Knight Rises. Dark Knight Rises. I'm actually going to say Batman v Superman because I had so many problems with The Dark Knight Rises. I'm going to say Batman v Superman. Yeah, Batman v Superman. Batman v Superman because Dark Knight Rises made me frustrated and angry. This one did not. Hmm. Next up, Batman v Superman or World War Z. World War Z. World War Z. World War Z. World War Z for... Everybody, Batman v Superman, or we have talked about a lot of superhero movies. Yes, we have. <laughs> oh, really? Or Captain America: The Winter Soldier. Captain America: yes, The Tommy Winter Soldier. Does. Ooh, 
Captain America, the Winter Soldier. This is Tommy. Captain America. Ah, I had, I, I, hmm. in a weird way, I kind of enjoyed Batman versus Superman better, but I feel like I would probably watch Captain America first, despite, as Steve is going to say, the exposition. Right <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Uh, but there, well, and that gets into the, what you're ranking them on, the enjoyability factor, because yes, as we discussed, Marvel is a little bit lighter in tone, Um uh, and despite its flaws, I mean, Captain America: Winter Soldier is definitely a much more fun movie to watch. Um, so I'm I'm leaning that way because even this one has its flaws, but it didn't anger me as much. <sighs> yeah, let's make it a unanimous Captain America: Winter Soldier. First time ever. If, First time Steve uh, picked that movie. Oh one. my gosh! If you're gonna open a river and have a vehicle go in or out, you want to go big. That's all mm-hmm. I'm saying. <laughs> That's the only reason I ranked it higher. Yeah. That's it. All right, here is uh, one from uh, recent uh, months. Batman v Superman or The Finest Hours? Batman. Batman. (laughs) Batman. Just like she did. (laughs) Everyone turn on your lights, just like she did. Go get that kryptonite spear from the pool, just like she did. I enjoyed the finest hours, but I would say Batman versus. Superman. I did too. I think you guys are so hard on that movie, but I also I am going to do Batman terrible. v Superman. <laughs> Worse, oh, you guys are awful. Uh, Batman versus Superman or side effects? Side effects. Side effects. My old pal, side effects. I, I that's a film I feel like I never want to return. Yeah, to. Yeah, I'm Batman v Superman. <laughs> I don't know for why. Sure. Yeah, I think I'd do Batman. Tie. Ooh, it's a tie. Steve, Steve? it's all. I oh, need. really? Oh my gosh, because I. I listened to that podcast. Steve, Steve, Steve. And, <laughs> oh my gosh. We had a lot of problems with it, and we all said we wanted to go back and watch it again. Oh, this is so tough. Steve, side effects, side effects, side effects, side effects. Do you guys hear that? I think there's some interference. I'm going to go Batman because of the, I think, the whole sort of mythological aspect to it to tie into something larger is is something that i appreciate the depth yeah your whole last speech man. Yeah, I think exactly batman. Batman. i thought that yeah. would be a slam dunk yeah batman v superman or avengers age of ultron 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 but jj you hated the ultron robot in that movie so much i did i did too yeah with his moving mouth and everything Ugh, doomsday everything i hate it all <laughs> Can we have Doomsday fight Ultron? Is that you know fake things, fake fighting fake yeah. things? Hey, I, how did Jesse Eisenberg know that he was going to create Doomsday? It's a little late to bring that up. Keep going. <laughs> I uh, he learned in less than ten minutes the entire history. Oh right, of that's what the computers. He said, "Teach me everything, just the good parts about creating Doomsday." I'm sorry. Let's I love that going. you guys are picking that up when he's standing in a in a spaceship from another planet that also does not exist. Like, really, you're gonna you're gonna. But he already on this but he already knew to learn bring, anything when he's on a spaceship but in he the middle of the city knew to bring Michael Shannon there. So he already knew even before the computer told him to. Why am I bringing this up? I'm blowing my throat. Let's do this. I know. No, 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 no. Loved it. Okay, go. <laughs> I don't even remember what movie we're doing right now. What is it? We're Ultron. doing Batman versus Superman or Avengers oh, it's Age Ultron. Ultron. Yeah, yeah, Ultron was, yeah, okay. Yeah, I'd guess it goes yeah. Ultron. I, yeah. All right, that's it. Number 18. 
right? Uh, between Avengers Age of Ultron and Side Effects. That's a good spot. Huh. That's fun. Unless you really yeah. liked Side Effects. I did. Steve. <laughs> Me too. Mm. Uh, all right. Well, this was a great conversation, boys. I really appreciate this. And I think uh, I think now is uh, time for us to talk about our stars, which I think may uh, be even more divisive uh, for letterboxd.com slash the next reel. Um, JJ, go ahead. One, two, please. Two. That's actually quite gracious. That's higher than I thought you'd say. Tommy? Two. Hmm. Steve? Wait, is it out of three? <laughs> <laughs> That's out of five. Uh, I'd give this a solid four. Wow. Ooh. Andy, where are you? Look at me. I'm going last because I don't know what I want to get to. You know, I'm actually at two and a half, but I feel like I I feel like that half is it feels like a big gap between Tommy and JJ's two and my. Two I did not know. Th- I forgot that we could do halves. I would lower mine to one and a half. No, two, oh. whatever, whatever. <laughs> I was trying okay. to make this difficult. Uh, so what are you? So Andy? that leaves. I, I'm two and a half. I, I feel like it's right in the middle of the road for me. Wow. I still enjoyed it, but I, I had problems with it. You know, I, yeah, middle of the road. All right. Well, I you know I think I'm a solid three. That's I I feel pretty good about three. So that puts us at what, uh, right around three, two and a half, on an average. Uh, well, let me let me tell you. Side effects, side effects, side effects, <laughs> side effects. Two point seven. Uh, so it rounds can, to three. Okay. Can you do two point seven on Letterbox? <laughs> yeah, round, that it rounds, it rounds up to three. Feature request. <laughs> I want three decimal places. <laughs> the real question then is, where do we go from here? What is our next film, man? Well, do you know. Well, Pete, you and I are going to be chatting about Goodbye, Mr. Chips, mm. another uh, in our 1939 series. Mm, excellent. That's coming up just this week. So that week. will be nice. That, that will be coming up soon. And then uh, Steve is going to be doing another of his uh, Three of a Kind. Yes. And uh, it's going to be Three of a Kind. Do you know who you That's are? That's right. Oh, are you are you revealing the films yet? Or is that a, would that be spoilerific? I don't, you know, I, I like to keep it shrouded in mystery uh, so that people can can keep guessing but oh, but, I like I'm, but I, I, I kind of uh, I'll let you know my what I'm doing with this is picking two films that people are probably very aware of and then a th- the third is something that's maybe will be a new discovery for people that's something you, you know last uh, three of a kind you know Amadeus uh, was a, a very well known film but I think and the Prestige was maybe in the middle Big Night I think not a lot of people had heard about so I'm trying to keep that going with this so there'll be two films that you've, you've probably heard about and, and one that I hope will be a new discovery for people great very selections smart. Very love smart. that series and then what's our like next the Owls uh, of Gahul. What, what's our next film board discussion uh, next month we're going to be talking about Demolition little uh, Jake Gyllenhaal oh he's, no superheroes in that I was just going to say, I believe he's playing a superhero who destroys what? houses. <laughs> yes. No, he's playing himself, but he's all CG. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> uh, great conversation, guys. As always, thank you so much for uh, joining uh, this uh, film board. Steve, always good to hear your voice. It's always a pleasure talking with you, gents. JJ. Thanks, guys. Comic books forever. Much love, Tommy. America! Andy. We'll talk to you soon. And I'm Pete. Thanks, everybody. Catch you next week.
You know what happens to me all the time in dreams? I get knocked out. There's a hard cut to black. And then I wake up tied up. That has never happened in the history of dreams. This is the stuff that I didn't bring to the show because it would waste time. I'm trying to be better. Isn't that good? Pete, should we stop recording? (laughs) I'm stopping recording now. Here on the Film Board, we have covered quite a variety of great page-to-screen adaptations over the years, from superheroes like Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight Rises, based on stories like Nightfall and The Dark Knight Returns, to horror and sci-fi like Max Brooks's World War Z and Hiroshi Sakazuraka's All You Need Is Kill, which became one of our favorites, Edge of Tomorrow, with Tom Cruise and Emily Blunt. And who could forget Andy Weir's stranded astronaut adventure, The Martian, or Dave Eggers' tech thriller, The Circle? Supposedly so much better than the movie. We've also explored Stephen King epics like The Dark Tower and It, biopics like Damien Chazelle's First Man, and sweeping sagas like Denis Villeneuve's take on Frank Herbert's Dune. And don't forget Martin Scorsese's Killers of the Flower Moon, based on David Grant's nonfiction book about the 1920s murders of the Osage Nation. I just finished the book, and it's fantastic. It's always fascinating to look at the source material, and we often do as the book lovers we are. For those of you out there who love to do the same, head to thenextreel.com slash originals to find all of our past episodes and dive deeper into these adapted stories. And it's not just stories. We've included things like the video games Uncharted and Detective Pikachu. That's right. Thenextreel.com slash originals is your one-stop shop for in-depth looks at the sources for cinematic adaptations that we have discussed. Every purchase you make supports the film board and The Next Reel's family of shows. So what are you waiting for? Head to thenextreel.com slash originals and get your next read today. (laughs) 